You are listening to the Mom and Dad Podcast. A podcast about balance, growth, and navigating through your 20s and 30s. Okay, so who who is Brian Brown? McKinnon. McKinnon. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> oh, she doesn't even know me. <laughs> Where are you from? Where were you born and raised? Oh, okay. Like background. Yeah. Born and raised in Utah. Lived in the same house my whole life until I went to college. 30 minutes away. At BYU? At BYU. What did you study? So many different things. I switched my major probably like five different times. So I was nursing. I was exercise science. I was linguistics. I did one more in between, and then I landed on recreation management and youth leadership, which I was emphasizing in event planning. And in my senior project, I realized I'm not an event planner. So it was a terrible last one to end on. Like probably any of the other four would have been much better suited for me, but it's okay. Isn't that the worst? You get to the end and you actually like do what you're signing up to do. And then you're like, wait. Yeah, I I should not have followed through with this. But it was at the point where I had too many credits and I couldn't switch again. So I, if I wanted to graduate, I had to do that. Yeah. So it's fine. You were just at the point where you just wanted to get out. Yeah, I had to. You, yeah. They don't. They make you. You can't switch after a certain point. So. Right. Planning no return. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess the, a senior project is better than some time to you know later down the road to realize that you don't want to invest more time into something. True. Yeah, that's a good point. And it was fun. I just realized my personality wasn't suited for it. Mm. It's a <clears> lot. Isn't it mm-hmm. to like be the lead of, yeah, especially cause my senior project was, I worked with an event, like a wedding planner uh-huh. and that is just such like high stakes for people. And you know, if someone has a wedding planner that the event is going to be very big. big. Yeah. And, and have a lot of money put into it and yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Was it just the, the, like the, the pressure of it that you didn't like or what was it about it that you decided wasn't for you? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah, I think it was the pressure and actually really what it is, is I'm a terrible decision maker. Naturally, I just don't do well with making decisions. And I feel like there are so many decisions, especially day of that need to happen, like when things go wrong and you need to be the point of contact. Mm -hmm. And I'm not that. Oh, wow. George Washington was bad on the spot decision maker too. Really? He was really good at planning ahead of time, but he wasn't great at like improvising on the fly so huh. i wonder what he would have been like as a president now versus back then yeah because there's probably a lot more on the spot decisions than he'd ha- well i don't know he was going through a war actually yeah, I think things were bad <laughs> how did he too, become a yeah. general if he couldn't make decisions on the fly he would there's a whole <clears throat> a whole list of reasons but really it was because he was like one of the most experienced people from that was a colonial that didn't want to please the british anymore hmm. And he was very well trusted by people because he was just really honest. People knew that what he said he would do, he would do. Hmm. There's and a lot of you should he ask didn't your dad. Want to be president. Your dad knows more about what I'm George Washington sure than does. I do by far. <laughs> History guy. You guys had a full conversation about we that did the other have night. A full conversation about that <laughs> before or after mushrooms. I don't know. Mushrooms was mingled in there somewhere. <laughs> it's so hard to tell which comes first in a George Washington slash mushroom conversation. I know. You know. Well, and mushrooms are just such a staple conversation. You know, they're probably oh, always Justin. in there somewhere. Yeah. 
Well, Justin, it's one of the top conversations that he pulls out. So after college, tell us the timeline after that. So I met Dylan, my husband, in high school. His family moved from England to Utah, and we met our junior year of high school. And then we, like, we weren't super good friends in high school, but we were connected in college. And so we got married when we were both in college. And but tell the story of your mission call. So <laughs> This wasn't on the list, but... So Dylan and I dated our freshman year of college, and then he left on a mission, and I all but forgot about him, because who waits around for someone on a mission? I know people do, but Rare. not my personality. And so when he got back, he really wanted to date me still, and I didn't want anything to do with him. Because it's, it's like... Everyone goes through this, right? You want what you can't have, and you don't want what wants you right? for dating. Reasonable. It's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> so he wanted me, and I was, like, not interested at all. So I'd always been dead set on going on a mission. So I this was when girls still had to wait to be 21 to go on a mission, put their papers in. So I did that. I got my mission call, and there was a bunch of people at my parents' house there when I was opening my mission call, and I like before had said I want to go I'll go anywhere I especially want to go foreign but I'll go anywhere I just really don't want to go to a visitor center and I opened it and it was Cleveland Ohio Kirtland Visitor Center and I was like so crushed and people like trickled out and Dylan was like quiet in the back his parents lived like three minutes down the road from my parents so he had come and we like for some reason that night I just like was it was just so bummed about my mission call and I just like only thought of him that could like come talk me through it because my parents went to bed early so we went on drive that night anyway still totally not interested in dating him but I was like oh well now that I have a mission call he knows I'm like committed to something else we can be friends now at least so I started hanging out with him more I would totally forget that I had a mission call because it was like four months away that I was leaving from when I got it. And then I would remember like two weeks would go by and I'd forget about it. And then I'd see it like at the end of my bed and I would be like, Oh my gosh, I'm going on a mission. Um, but it was like, that is, I like, I'm such a firm believer that that is the only way that I was like going to be able to get Dylan to step back into my life is having the mission call. So I knew that I like, no, you couldn't have him. No, because now I knew he knew I was committed to something and I could like, be his friend and, and he knew I wasn't interested in dating him because I was committed to something and then like the moment I started hanging out with him like even that night when he took me on a drive after I got the call I was like oh <laughs> I remember why I like this guy shoot so then I ended up not going on a mission and marrying him but I I really believe that if I hadn't got that mission call to Kirtland like if I had gone somewhere abroad I for sure would have said like I'm still going. Yeah. And who knows what would have happened. He's such a catch. I probably wouldn't have been there when I got back. So. And now you guys go abroad together. Exactly. So it all worked out. Yeah. I don't want to talk too much about us, but I feel like that was kind of similar. Really? Like you, I don't yeah, know this. He was yeah. pursuing me and then he, I was like, no way. He and then me. I friend zoned him. He got a girlfriend and then we took a trip to Utah. I was going to see my brother. He was going to see his girlfriend, who's going to be by you. You were going out to see his, your girlfriend? And I had her come <laughs> along. So we went on a... I didn't want to be alone on the drive. Right. 
Right. That's serious. Yeah. I didn't, I was over her. <laughs> oh, you re- truly were? I was. I was, I am proud to say I was not interested. crying over spilt milk. I was over her. But that's and okay. Because things I, happened. We just started like, I think she realized wait, that wait, I was. Let me finish. Yeah, let me finish. So, because I don't want to talk about this too long. But we, because he had a girlfriend, we could be friends. You know, yeah, and I, I totally. Felt like he you was like felt secure. You're like, yeah, this is great. We're both in a good place to yeah. just be friends. And, which I feel like you're able to show your true self instead of the person who's like trying to impress and like yeah, be it's true. someone different. It's more safe. Yeah. And that's when I was like, oh, this guy's kind of cool. And I like, yeah. And also he's not pursuing me. Why is he yeah. not pursuing me? He's so cool. Yeah. Anymore. <laughs> Even though he's got a girlfriend, why is he not pursuing me? <laughs> <laughs> so did you guys reconnect on the drive? Or so, well, did that we just became, give you like a... We became really good friends. And then he continued to date. Like they were going to get married. Like that's oh. how serious. Like a little you thought they were, you were going to get married. I might have thought that at the time. Yes. <laughs> But then they broke up and I was in Italy and he wrote me in Italy. And then I came back and I was like really excited to see him for some reason. Mm. <laughs> the way she tells it for every time reason. is I can't for the life of me imagine why I was excited to see him. But I was. <laughs> every time. I mean, that's kind of how I felt about Dylan, though. It was like I'd forgotten the cool things about him or the things that like I really connected with before. Yeah. Until I was actually with him again. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because it's out yeah. of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Right. Totally. Yeah, I think that's... I love that. I didn't know that. similar. So you guys get married. So we got married. We finished our last couple of years of college together. I finished up earlier than Dylan, so I worked at the um, athletic department at BYU for a little while. We had our first baby. Then we moved to Iowa a couple months later. Dylan went to law school there. We had another baby there. After law school, while Dylan was taking... So after law school, you have to take the bar. You have to qualify to be a lawyer. And it's, it's a, you study for like several months in a row. So we moved to Utah for him to study for the bar and we could live with family to save money. And that's when I was auditioning for the baking show. And the day Dylan took the bar is the day I found out that I got on the show. Oh my gosh. Which was so fun. So, um, he was supposed to start his, he, after law school, he got a fellowship with the government. It's called the President Presidential Management Fellowship. And he was supposed to start his job, I think, August, like the beginning of August. And when I found out I got on the show, they let him delay it a couple months. So he stayed home with our kids. And so I could just go record the show because it was like a month long. And we had little kids. And... um we didn't have to like figure that all that out, right? They could stay with the parent, which was super lucky. Wow, then, his job was just like cool with that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I know it all worked out extremely perfect. Yeah, wow. And then so after that, we moved to Northern Virginia, just outside of DC, and lived there for like three years before COVID hit. We came back here to again save money and live in our parents' houses. <laughs> yeah. So he is a. What is his title then right now? So he's a lawyer, but he doesn't work as a lawyer right now. He works, he does policy for the Department of Agriculture. Okay. And that's just the job he got because of the fellowship he got out, out of law school. And then you guys, you were telling us about this other night. He got a new job, right? Yes. Outside of that. Tell mm-hmm. us about that. Yeah, so exciting. So this is Dylan's dream job. And 
It's hard to get into. He started applying for this job actually in law school. And it's years ago. Yeah, years ago. I mean, that was probably over five years ago. And the process is long. It's, it's, for, it's working for the Foreign Service for the State Department. So as like a diplomat abroad. So you have to take a test. And then if you pass the test, you submit essays. And then if you pass the essays, then you are invited to a, like an interview, an all-day-long interview. It's like from 7 in the morning till sometimes 7 at night. And then at the end of that interview, they offer you the job on the spot. And you have to decline or take it. You, you don't get like time to think about it. Then after that, you have to get top security clearance, which can take up to like a year, a year and a half. And then once you get top security clearance, then you get put on like their list of people who have, and they, depending on like the score you got in your interview, they just pull people off the list. And you can be on that list for up to 18 months. And if you don't get pulled off the list, then you start the process all over again by taking the test. So we're at the point where he's trying to get top security clearance right now. So we're still not in it, but it'll happen. So yeah. exciting. And you guys could go anywhere in the world. Yeah. Every two to three years, we'll move to a new country. Wow. And you'll come visit. Yes. <laughs> we'll totally. have space for guests. Yes. Do they house you? Yeah. Okay. They house you. They pay for your kids to go to school. They they set you up like so you would want. Comfortable. Most of the time, you would want to live there. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. So you recently started your own business. Yeah. Yeah. When we moved back to Utah... From being in Virginia for a couple of years, um, my in-laws are gone for three years as mission presidents in Brazil. Their house is empty, and my mother-in-law has, like, an amazingly beautiful kitchen. Like, nothing like we have in northern Virginia. So I toyed around with the idea of doing a bakery of some sort in Virginia, but it just didn't seem feasible with a small kitchen. And then when we moved there, we thought, like, this is our chance to make it happen. So we did. We It's just a small bakery run outside our home, their home, I guess. And it's the best. It's so fun. We just, I say we because Dylan does most of the work. I just do the baking. <laughs> he does like all the business behind it. And I just tell him what I'm baking that week. And then he sends out emails. We have like a subscribers list and people just get the email and then, um, order from whatever we're making and it's it's been such a dream come true it's been so fun I didn't realize how much he was a part of it too like oh, you guys yeah. are like a team this would not even be possible without Dylan because I it's just not how my brain works I'm so terrible at like well you know responding to texts or emails like can you imagine me running a business it's like it's not feasible with my personality so he does everything and I just get to bake but you you also have children on the side. Like, you're baking with your kids yeah. alongside you, right? Yeah, and that's what's amazing about Dylan, too. So he works Monday through Thursdays, and he has every Friday off. He works four tens. Um, and so his days, his day off is basically bakery day, and he helps me make it happen. Most of the time, we think it's just going to be me doing it, and then he's, like, all hands-on, too, because it's so much work. It's a lot of work. That's so cool. And yeah, the kids are always in the mix of it too. What's maybe break down when you say it's so much work, what does all of that entail for people who like us who've never run a bakery? Yeah. I feel like this has probably got to be true for every small business that people have. You just really don't 
realize the work that goes into every small product that you make. So everything just takes so much time and forethought and energy. When we first started, we were like in over our heads because we didn't know like how many orders we could fulfill or what we were really doing. So we just let all the orders come in and then we were like scrambling to the last minute to try to get everything done. But it's a lot like you have to think of packaging beforehand. Like you can't just run to the, like people don't just sell certain bags or boxes for the things you need. So you have to think of all of that beforehand. You need to have all your ingredients on hand. And what's crazy about bakeries too is to be able to make any kind of money in a bakery, which wasn't necessarily our goal, but it's also something you want to have happen so you can keep baking. So to make any type of money in a bakery, you have to like, you have to either have like higher prices than you feel comfortable with, or you have to really be prepared with like bulk ingredients and not running to the store last minute to grab something because it all just adds up so much. Ingredients are expensive. That was a huge learning curve for us. And I think it's been really good for me to open a bakery too, because I've really had to come to terms with what I'm worth and like put that out there, right? Like you have to say, I taught myself all of this. I'm not professionally trained, but to me, I'm worth like this loaf of bread is worth this much and I made it and I taught myself how to make it. And yet like, I expect you to pay this amount of money for my product. And it's so, it makes you feel so vulnerable. That makes sense. Yeah. But it's been good because it, it, um, so it's hard but it's also good because it really, it, I, I've like always struggled with like feeling like I'm good at things and feeling like I'm worth things like probably most people, but it's, it's helped me like come to terms with that, that like, no, I'm, uh, not everyone can do this. I have a, like a unique talent here and I am like going to be proud enough of it to charge what I'm worth. Yeah. Stand behind it. Yeah. Which is so scary, but it's good. Yeah, I I feel that same way with videography because I do weddings. Yeah. And charging people, even though I'm new, like I know I can produce a product that somebody will like. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, I'm technically new to the industry, but like, here's my price, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's hard. I can, still, I can still do what you need. But have you found, at least uh, this is how I feel, that... People are most of the time like willing to trust you and I I feel like you're more trustworthy when you price your price right rather than when you discount and see if people will buy. Mm -hmm. Because you're showing, you're like putting your best foot forward. You're showing your confidence and saying like, I can do this. I'm worth this. And let me just show you. Yeah. And when it's a product you haven't made yet. Like, yes, I may have made those croissants a lot of times but like the batch that I'm selling to you I haven't made yet and I have to like I have to show up and like make it what you like what I priced it at you know make it worth it it's not like a product that's already been made and you're just you know it's good and you're selling it you have to like you you have to be on yeah so are there any other behind the scenes that were unexpected Mm mm-hmm I mean, so many. I feel like we we went into it having to, like, 
hope for the best and like put the best forward and expect the worst. Like, especially in the first few months of baking, I didn't realize how much extra I would have to bake to like make up for mistakes and stuff that I would make just because baking on a larger scale is so different than baking like a few batches of cookies. And you probably had to learn that new way of baking. Yes. In bulk. Yeah. Like for example, sourdough, that's like one of my biggest sellers. Yeah. And sourdough on a small scale, I, what I would do is I would just make tons of little batches of sourdough until I realized like this, like no matter what I price this at, it's not worth our time. Like mixing up 12 batches of this stuff to make 24 loaves, like that's not worth our time. So then I had to figure out in like a short amount of time how to make a huge batch of sourdough dough and still produce the same quality. Right. How did you do that? Just experimenting? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of like baker's intuition comes into, into play too. That's what's so great about like having this type of business in this day and age is there's so many resources online where you can like people have done this before and probably are doing it like near the same as you are. So there's other people out there you can ask for help. And so a lot of that was, I looked at a lot of how other people did it too. A little bit more about a baker's intuition. How, cause I don't feel like I, I'm nowhere near having that sort of intuition of, cause it, it's really just about knowing your bread, right? Right. And, or whatever you're baking. Do you even measure anymore or is it kind of just like you just know what to do so that is like why baking works so well for me because I like precise things so yes I measure like down to the gram but it's also about feel right so like I measure down to the gram and then I realize like this needs more water let's add in a little bit more or whatever but I think I think baker's intuition I think that's that's like the the phrase to describe when I felt like I finally found something I was good at is Mm -hmm. like I could make something and I realized, Oh, I, I more than other people can like determine uh, like, how do I say this? If this is working or not like like, in the process. Yeah. Like even like technical difficult bakes that I'd never made before. I just, I knew like, Oh, this batter doesn't look right. Like the first time I made macarons, which are one of the more technical bakes, and you have to do what's called a macronage. The, the batter has to like be a certain consistency for them to turn out. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, I knew it was so like such a strange experience, but I knew like, yeah, this is going to be a good batter and this is going to turn out, which like, how would I know that? I'd never done it before. So it was, it was like a cool moment for me to realize there's something more to baking that like I have in me that isn't just learned that like mm-hmm. I, I got it. It was cool. I made macaroons. I, I call them macaroons. Is that wrong? Call whatever you want. Macaron is what people say, but a lot of people say macaroon. Macaron. So that's probably right too. I made them a couple of years ago and they actually turned out really good. Were you so proud of yourself? Yeah, I was. I made them with a friend. She came over. Remy was just born and just had some company over and we just made macarons together. But we couldn't get the color. Like the, we use gel coloring. Yeah. Cause that's what they say to make it more pigmented. And it like was gray. It paled out. Yeah. And I was, so 
I don't have tuition with color, but <laughs> the macarons That's amazing turned out that they really turned good. Out. First time ever making them. Have you made them out. again? I haven't. You need to do that. I should. Sounds like you have a talent too. Yeah. I So that, I'm interested to know who influenced your baking. Okay. So that's a good question. Because my mom always tells me, oh, you've got a piece of Grandma Leland in you. Mm. Well, cinnamon rolls, right? Like whenever I, that's one of like the signature bakes that people like is my cinnamon rolls yeah. from my mom who got it from grandma. So what's interesting about grandma and my mom's baking is they're like very different bakers than I am. They are like on the fly bakers. They're totally by feel, not by like precise measurement at all. And their bakes are amazing. Like they were really good bakers. Yeah. So yes, like totally, I would say just being around that and growing up with that influenced my baking, but it's interesting because I'm not like that at all. I don't mm-hmm. bake that way, but I can appreciate that type of baking. Yeah. And I, I am in awe of that type of baking because I can't produce bakes like that. Are, are there like professional bakers that, is that like a preference or is it like professional bakers or precise people who do it for fun can be either? No, I would say they're, I would say you have both. Like yeah. when you say a teaspoon of like baking powder there are people who still use like a literal Mm. teaspoon that they would like stir their tea with like it's not at all you know and they they just know exactly how things come together so maybe what your mom did and what grandma did was just sparked it in you and then you brought your own personality into it yeah I think it gave me like my initial desire for baking also I feel like baking more than anything I found fulfills I don't know. I don't know if I say personality, but I'm very, I like, I have two parts of me that, that like come through doing things precisely and doing them like exact. And then I have like a very creative side of me, which uh, came from grandma too. So baking fits that because I can be super creative in baking, but I can also be precise while I'm being creative. Yeah. Cause there's different ways to use that characteristic of wanting to be precise, you know, whether that's like in labs and science or right. if that's in cooking and making but it's harder to to mesh those yeah like i i i well, like baking like, is kind of science it totally is it's for sure science <laughs> yeah. yeah but continue well i like i found other interests that i like like i like to paint i like to watercolor that's something i'm interested in i like to sketch but it doesn't exactly fulfill like the exactness and you know that's more just like more creativity with without like structure but baking gives me both. I like that. I feel like I'm similar to that. Yeah? I like to be very precise, but I also like to be creative. But I'm not creative enough to be, like, just freeform, <laughs> you know? I see where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. see that. Yeah, so I like the preciseness, but also, mm-hmm. like, And that's why you're things. drawn to baking. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But I, I relate with that. So how do your kids influence you to... Or do your kids influence you to want to run a business and the balance of being a mother and running a business? Yeah, totally. Actually, this, I feel like the influence, maybe my kids influencing me isn't the right word, but it all started when I was baking on the show. I did a couple interviews after the show was over. And like my main point I was always trying to drive across is I wanted to show my kids that you can be a mom and you can have, this is something I feel really strongly about, that, that a mom can be a mom and still have parts of her that don't revolve around motherhood. Like you can, be a, you can be a mom and you can be 
like at home and do like that is your main job but then like there's more parts to mom and not only is that okay but it's like it's good it's good to do that so that was really important to me just coming from the show I wanted to show my kids that and I felt like it was what's lucky for me is that it's something I can always show my kids like and I can always go back and say like because it's recorded right it was videotaped I can say look look from a young age I wanted to show you that motherhood was the most important thing to me but I was also things other than a mom. And so when we moved back here, I was so happy to take the chance to do this again, to show them that there's more to me than wiping bums and, <laughs> and wiping tears. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's important, especially because I feel like motherhood or fatherhood, but wh- whatever parent is staying home, if they are staying home, you can get so swallowed up in it and it can feel like that's all you have time for. And it can feel like that's really all you can do, but it's so not true. There's so much more to people than just that. But it can be intimidating for mothers or fathers to jump into that world because kids are so time consuming that like, like let's say you're in DC where, well, I guess Leo is there with you, but if you don't have, much family around to help support that it can be really hard to branch out and do something for you when you don't have someone to watch your kids you know like it's true it kind of has to be creative you would have to and I think I'm probably just extremely lucky in that I have a spouse who is not only super supportive but also like pushes me to do those things because for sure there's so many times where I fall back into just the role of a mom and I shouldn't say just because it is so important, but the role of a mom and that's all I occupy in my life. And I know there's so many people out there too that like maybe don't have a supportive spouse or don't have a spouse at all to help them with those things. So I like my hope for myself is that even if I didn't have that, I would still do it, but I, it would be extremely difficult. So what show are you on? So I was a contestant on the Great American Baking Show, which is the sister show to the Great British Bake Off. So the Great British Bake Off came first, correct? And then, yes. or did they spawn No, the yes. Thing? The Great British Bake Off came first. I think they had like m- at least maybe seven series before America picked up the show as their own. But it's filmed in the same location, same mm-hmm. tent, same everything. Really? They even share one of the same judges, yeah. <clears throat> Where is that if you're at liberty to say? <laughs> so it's in England. They do it so at a... you went to England for it? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, so I had a, a three-year-old and an 18-month-old when I left. Oh, my gosh. And, and it, it's back to what we were talking about, leaving your kids and, like, being able to do that. It's hard. I left for a month to go film the show. So, yeah, it's in England... They film it at Pinewood Studios. It's a stu- it's a really big studio there. The grounds are huge. And they had like, they just finished filming in the same area we were. They had just finished filming the Mary Poppins with, um, what's her name? Um, Emily Blunt. Yes, Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. And like sometimes we ha- would have to pause for filming because they were filming like one of the Star Wars in the set over from us. And there would be like really weird noises or crashes from like the sound effects over there. So it was cool. It was a huge studios. So we, we stayed about 
30 minutes away from the studios and we would bus into the studios every day. I'm surprised it only took a month. Yeah, you would say that until you knew our filming schedule. <laughs> they packed it in. So it was, oh, it was such a whirlwind. They would try to film an episode over two consecutive days. So how the show works is if, if you haven't seen it. Oh, we were watching. It's so good. It's such we were watching you. We were seeing the end. No. We only saw what was on Which was very television. short. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So how the show works is there are three challenges for each episode. They have a signature bake, a technical challenge, and then a showstopper. And you come prepared with your signature and your showstopper. The technical is all like a mystery until they start like that day. So they, they would usually film the signature bake and the technical one day. And then the next day you would come back and film the showstopper. But when you have, when you're starting with the full cast of contestants before anyone has been eliminated, it's long filming days and you have to be camera ready when you get to the studios and no one's there to do your makeup or anything, right? It was just like me. So we would have to be on the bus sometimes by 5 a.m., 5 or 6 a.m. So I would have to wake up an hour before that to get ready. And then we bus there. And then they, like, we film and we wouldn't sometimes leave the studios till like, 11. Holy Get God. home, you know, half hour, 40 minutes later. And then wake up the same time the next day and do it again. So... It, it, so it was long, it was like long days that they would just pack in. And then sometimes we would go to the next episode the very next day. And sometimes we would have breaks in between, but sometimes we wouldn't. Did you have to have like different outfit changes to like signify a different day? Yes. So that was also like the hard thing too, is you had to wear the same outfit for, even though it was filmed over two days for the same episode. So oh, okay. I'd also get home and like wash out any like ingredients that had got on my clothes or just like make sure they smelled okay because I'd been wearing them for like 14 hours longer actually and then put them on again the next day I think if I had known I probably would have bought two of everything but I didn't realize yeah you think they would prep you on that like by the way you're gonna well, want to have the they same would prep you on a lot of things but I it just all happened so quickly like even wow. the prep before the show was so fast so like I said you have your signature bake and your um showstopper like you you know those going into it so what they would do is they would give us the parameters of what we would they would tell us what we would need to bake for those for two episodes so the the tech or the signature and the showstopper for two episodes and they have to be original recipes that you're producing and they gave us a week to figure those out and submit our our recipes with everything we needed like down to like even the smallest piece of equipment or ingredient, because if we didn't list it, it wouldn't be there for us. So if you can imagine like coming up with your own original recipe for something that sometimes I'd never even heard of or made before for four recipes in a week. And I'm a mom like of young kids, a three and a one-year-old and I'm doing this. So, and then that week, then we like you submit and then they give you your next two episodes. And we did that until the week we left for filming. How many so sometimes I would have to just like trust myself that I could come up with a recipe without even being able to practice it because there just wasn't time. Wow. Baker's intuition again. Yeah. You would hope you have it at that point. <laughs> yeah. 
so were you a fan of the show prior or how did the the idea to apply or the opportunity to apply yeah that's a good question so i loved the great british bake-off like oh i still do i love it so much it's I love it because it's a baking show, which I was always interested in, but that like, it doesn't give you anxiety to watch it. Cause everyone like tries to help each other out. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was when we were living in Iowa at the time. And one of my best friends there who was like, always been my biggest supporter with baking said, Hey, there's a American version. You should apply for it. And I was like, no, like what are the chances that I would ever get in? But she was so encouraging that I thought, okay, I'll, I'll even just look it up. And it just happened to be the time of year they were taking applications. Like they only took them for like a month or they like only a few weeks left. So I just like randomly applied and I got a cold call from one of the producers. You know, they don't warn you. They're calling you. What was the application like? What did you submit? Uh, It was just like a bunch of questions about yourself and like how much you knew about baking. What's your baking history? Cause they also need to make sure that you haven't done like you haven't been technically trained cause these are all amateur bakers and that you haven't, like done it professionally, but you have to be good too. So but how you do you also prove- have to be good? So is does is that proving <clears throat> come through the? So the a little bit calls? came through the application, and then they cold call you, and a- she asked me a bunch of random baking questions, and so I didn't have any time to prep. I'm like, if I had pop sitting at a computer, I'm like, you know, trying to Google or something. So, but what's lucky is because I had watched the Great British Bake Off so much, like some of the questions I knew because of that show. <laughs> Like they asked, what is the typical filling for a Victoria sponge? And like most people wouldn't know that unless you lived in England, because that's not an American dessert at all. But I knew because of the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> what is it? It raspberry jam and whipped cream. Oh, right. How like how would you know that? Yeah. So I passed that cold call, and she she said you'll be contacted. I think I did a like a Skype interview with the producer after that. Hmm. Then after that, if you pass that, they invite you to either L.A. or New York, depending on, like, how close you live to either of those, for, like, an in-person audition. And that, we you have to, like, pay for it all yourself. So, I, which is, like, so hard. And you, they gave you, they gave me a recipe. So they have, like, a standard recipe that everyone had to bring. And then you had to bring two other bakes of yours. So some people were flying into LA with like their bakes on their laps, like trying not to get them ruined to fly in for this interview. Luckily, I had a friend who lived like five or 10 minutes from where the audition was and they were going to be out of town and they let me just have the run of their place. So I flew in early and baked in their tiny LA oven and brought all my stuff to that interview. And it was that interview was a you you meet with the culinary producers and they like eat your bakes and then ask you questions and then if you if you pass that, then they that same day you have like an on camera interview to see how you do in front of the camera. It was so stressful. It was oh, so I scary. can't imagine. <laughs> I passed that, and then then you get invited to LA again. And this one, they actually pay for you to like fly out, and you do like a mock show. So it was at a culinary institute, and they had kitchens there, and they would like they gave everyone a recipe. They were filming, and you had to like bake up the recipe. But at that point they weren't looking for what, like your baking standards. They were seeing how well you interacted on camera and did that. So at like the workstation behind me, there was a guy that was auditioning too. And like one of the camera people was like, you guys need your own show. And at that point I was like, 
I think I got this. Like, I think I'm on for them to say like, wow, yeah. cause that was like basically them saying like, you're entertaining enough, which if you know me or anyone in my family, we, we are more than happy to rise to the occasion <laughs> when people are watching us. <laughs> so, but we waited, waited, waited. And what was crazy is uh, Reagan, my sister, was, did you know she was auditioning at the same time? Yeah, I did. I didn't know that. Yeah. So she, she got to the first LA interview, but she didn't go because she was pregnant and you can't be, you can't, she had just gotten pregnant and you can't be pregnant and be on the show. But they were saying, we're so bummed your sister dropped out because oh, we man, would have loved that combo. <laughs> oh, it, I know. Heartbroken. Heartbroken. Seriously. Oh, yeah, you guys, you guys need a show. If America would have seen you guys together, we would have won together. You would have won together. <laughs> you would have gotten your own show. It would have been a it dream. And just to true. go to like England and bake with my sister, that would have been so amazing. Oh, you guys could have done it together. Was it? Did it feel lonely? Those long hours and then going home and not having your kids around or your husband, like. Yeah, I don't I don't feel like I was even had time to ever be lonely. Like, I didn't yeah. even have time to miss my kids, which is crazy because I basically had a baby still. But I like I hardly even had time to think of it. And it yeah. was such a cool unique experience because when they're casting for the show, they're obviously looking for diversity. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't have chosen a lot more different people, but we only had one thing in common which was baking. So it was really cool that we could like all be so different from each other and come together for like this one thing that we all had. So we talked baking like all the time and I was able to make like friends on the show and have people that I could, you know, hang out with afterwards. But there wasn't also a lot of time for that. We would get back and just crash into bed because we were so tired. Yeah. Do you stay in contact with any of the people from the show or? Yeah, I do. A couple of them. Uh, One of them, Cindy, she was one of like, I, I say older, but she wasn't that old, but one of the older ones that they cast on the show. We keep in contact every so often. And then one of the younger girls, um, Jesse, I keep in contact with. And it's nice. It feels like we don't see each other, but it feels like I could always like stop in and say hi to them. Because, yeah, you're like put into the situation where it, it was so hard. It's, I think it's the hardest thing I've ever done. And no one else knows what that feels like except for those other people. So it feels nice to know that I still have like people to talk about it with who know exactly what I went through that no one else does. No one gets it. I'm sure I know the answer to this, but did it not matter who won? It just like felt like it was just so much fun that the experience of it was almost a win. Yes, exactly. It was worth it. No, like because of what we got to do. I, I remember even saying like when I was auditioning that second audition, like during when we were doing the mock, I kept saying like, this is something I would pay for. Like you don't need, not that we got paid to do the show, but you wouldn't need to pay me to do this. Like I would pay to do this because it's such a cool, unique experience. And that was my thought through the whole thing. Like, yeah, this is hard, but I I can't imagine like that I get to do this and like, this is payoff enough. So what was your favorite moment filming the show? It didn't happen very often, but when I would produce a bake that like it came out how I intended it to come out, it felt so good to know that like I was showing the work that I had prepared and wanted to show. So it didn't happen very often, but there were a few, t- few moments on the show where I was like, yeah, I'm proud of that. <laughs> I did that one. Yeah. And then what was your least? I think the hardest part of, well, the interviews were always really hard. 
because I'm a crier and they loved that. So they were like, <laughs> did they as, try and bring that out of you? Oh yeah. The first like four episodes, mostly in all my interviews, I'm crying and they were loving it. Not that they're mean people, but like, that's great TV show business. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think the worst part was, so you're, it's, it's a unique experience because you're in a new country. So ingredients are different. Like they just act differently. Like their whipped cream is, has such a higher fat content than ours does that it whips up in like less than a minute. So it's just, it's so different there. So a lot of times the bakes didn't turn out the way you would want them to, or the way you would do it at home. And the worst part of all of that was that you have to, they, they get these shots of you at the end of every challenge, like sitting by your bake and you have to sit there and look at the thing that you made that you're most likely not super proud of for like 10 minutes, just sit there while they like rotate the camera around you. And you're like, this is the last thing I want to look at right now. And I have to sit here and look like I'm happy about this. When you want to like, look at the camera and be like, this is not my best work. Just so you know, I'm not super proud of this. And you can't see anything. You just have to sit there and look at it. It's, it was so hard. So I remember the most vivid moment I remember of the show is um, the lavender cake. Oh, man. When they say they, you needed a weed whacker to get through all the lavender. No, no, it was rosemary. Rosemary. Yeah, that was terrible. Oh, oh that's also actually, that's another worst part of the show. When they the judges come around and critique your bakes, because they want the judges to look good and talk well, sometimes they would have them say the same thing like seven different times, and it's usually something critical. Oh, so I'm like, <laughs> You're just like, I have to stand there and like make sure my face looks like I don't want to murder them <laughs> after they've said something insulting the f for the fifth time just like smack yes smack. so by the like by the halfway through the show i had had enough so like i was like i was like saying quips to them and stuff because i couldn't handle it anymore i'm like do you do you have to say that again can you please just get it right the first time because i don't want to hear it again <laughs> oh my gosh who are the judges so the they paul hollywood and johnny Izuni, Izu, we don't talk about name. him anyway, right? He's such a nice guy. We can talk about him. He's such a nice guy. Okay. <laughs> but yes, he is the reason that the show got canceled. <laughs> oh, such a But Paul Hollywood is one of the judges on the British Bake Off. So did it become familiar just seeing their faces? Like almost like that celebrity image was removed from them just because yeah. you saw them so much? For me, it did. Yeah, I feel like. Paul Ho would still try to like maintain that, like I'm more important than you, but I was, I was done with, done with that by the end. So I like to tease him and stuff. Do you tickle him? Oh no, I should have done that though. That would have really got under his skin. <laughs> Can you imagine? Give him a little pinch on the buns. <laughs> what do you think he would have done? Oh, I think it probably would have made him giggle. Oh, honestly. Really? Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh! If you could so go back and do it again, would you give him a little pinch on the buns? I guess I might. I just don't want to be. I mean, the whole reason the show got canceled was for sexual harassment <laughs> charges. That maybe no, actually, <laughs> I would not true. want to be the cause of that. Maybe I'd give him a little pinch on his cheeks, not his bum cheeks, but his 
face cheeks. D- didn't you one time pick someone up and hug them that you didn't know? Like a, 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 a new boyfriend or a husband of the family? I'm sure. Oh, didn't I do that to, to you? Say, I don't know if it was saying. I remember you doing, you telling a story where you did that to someone and you're like, oh. I don't even know that person. I've never even met and them. they were surprisingly light. <laughs> I do remember that. And I think that, oh, no, I wish I could remember, <laughs> but you're jogging my memory. They were surprisingly light. Lee would remember. I'll have to ask her about that. But yes, that did happen. Oh, man. So <laughs> the show gets canceled. What happens after that? Oh, man. I'm actually still coping with the, really? the show being canceled. Yeah. I don't know why it's been so hard for me. So they, we ended up getting all the episodes. Like every episode that we were in, they gave to us. And I haven't even watched them yet because it's too hard for me. And the British Bake Off used to be my favorite show, and I haven't watched it since either. Oh, wow. I think there was just so much invested in that show. Like I left my kids, which was a big deal. And it kind of felt like everything was just everything I had worked so hard for. And like, it was, it was grueling and it just kind of felt like it was no big deal. So I I think I need to like work through that (laughs) because I know my parents would really love to see it and Dylan would really love to see it, but we would really love to see it. Yeah. So give you a little context. We watched it with my mom my sister, my brother, and his fiance. And we watched every episode. Like, we were super excited and we were rooting you on. And then we found it. We're like, I guess it's what, we were a little it dev- airing this week. And then it was just gone. So, and then we Yeah. And do you want it. to know the worst part about that? So, they, they canceled the show because one of the judges had some sexual harassment charges against him from like 10 years previous. Mm-hmm. Have I told you this before? Uh, no, I don't know the details. Okay. And it was all during the like height of the me too movement but they replaced the time slot on abc with a show called like family light fight or something and the host on that show had rape allegations against him it so it made no sense wow i mean because like sexual harassment not a good thing rape way way worse isn't that interesting yeah so it was was a just a political move and the the really the bummer part about it is all the finalists were women in the show. Hmm. So really like who was punished by pulling the show? Women. Not They weren't doing anything for women by pulling the show. Sad. Wow. We should have a watch party. Yeah. When you're ready. When you're ready. Maybe call us and we will come when to I get a watch some therapy. party. I'll bring mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. I'll bring mushrooms. Oh, man. So with your experiences as being a mother, as starting a business, as taking risks for your business and for jumping into a TV show and just all the things that you've done, what advice would you give to someone? So advice you would give to a mother about balancing family and entrepreneurship? Mm, Sorry. That's a good question. I'm like one of the judges. I have to yeah, say keep saying times. it. You get sound your turn, good. but I don't get mine. <laughs> I just have to say it the first time. Yeah. I hope it sounds good. Get it right. <laughs> um, it probably sounds cliche, but I would say like you have to go for it because if you don't try, like you won't know if you can make it happen. But the balance thing is hard. So I think you need to choose something that feels worth it to you because you're like, your family will make sacrifices. When you go for something like that, it's not going to just pan out beautifully and everyone still has like the same life they had, right? 
So you have to be willing to have everyone make sacrifices and everyone be on board for it and make sure it's something that feels worth that. Are there ways that you have been able to, I don't think we ever accomplish perfect balance, but to know when to say no and know when to say yes. Like, do you have that specific thing that helps you decide whether you do something or whether you don't? Yeah, I think it's just always about continually evaluating and reevaluating how it's working. And that's been something that Dylan and I have been doing recently more often because the thing that's most important to us, and I think that's probably things that you need to determine beforehand, what coming into this and coming out of this, what are the things that are most important to you? Mm -hmm. And for a while for us, it was letting me do the bakery and making sure that it happens for me. But as things change and evolve and, and goals are achieved, sometimes it's not about what you set out to do in the first place. So reevaluating and making sure that what you started out doing is still what you want to be doing and making sure that everyone is still on board with it. So just recently we've been talking about it and we've realized we need to cut back with the bakery because we have a new baby coming and... Our kids are going to school for the first time and we want more time as a family rather than letting me do this. And like initially that was hard for me because I'm, I'm giving up something now, but my family gave up something for a while for me to do this and it's okay. And I can always come back to it, but yes, always checking in with everyone and who's involved and who has to be take part in it and making sure that people are still on board and people still have the same goals in mind. Well, is there any last words you'd like to give or actually share the name of your bakery? Butter and Salt Bakery. I always have to ask because the kids know it better than I do, but I think it's Butter and Salt Bakery. <laughs> I think something And it's like so that. yummy. It's and located it's so here in Utah Valley. Do you basically just stay in the Utah Valley? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Baked goods outside of the Utah Valley? No. Should I, Justin? Wow. <laughs> I was just asking. I know my mom no. listens to well, this. I, so. I, <laughs> Hi. <laughs> that is actually something that we talk about doing often, but it's like another logistical, really hard mm -hmm. thing. So That's a big logistical yeah. nightmare, I can imagine. Oh, man. Make, so maybe if we try it out, Justin's mom, maybe we can send you some stuff and you can tell me if it stays fresh. It's a good idea. She could be the little tester. She would love that. <laughs> she was a big fan of you. So. <laughs> well, I guess we'll end there if that's okay. Okay. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you everyone for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.